We're live in three, two... back baby welcome in to leather brains 125 125 and what is it two weeks until nfl football like a a week 15 days boys i am very very excited for eight days until nebraska kickoff against minnesota well oh i'm not gonna hold my breath i'm not gonna hold my breath i uh i'm expecting better things but i think you're on the wrong side there I was. Yeah, I was okay. confused. I'm looking at myself. I don't know. It's all right. I'm not a professional. It's fine. You're... Also, orange Gatorade is the worst Gatorade, I've decided. No free ads. In case you guys have any thoughts on that. No free ads. Uh, <laughs> welcome in, everybody. Your host here, Slapdog. I'm joined today by Scotty Del Rey and Yeti. Gentlemen, we have, as always, quite a bit to talk about. So we've got some John Taylor drama of course, and the continuation of that. There's some talks about uh, QB3 for the 49ers, so we'll touch on Trey Lance. Joe Mixon, he's clear to go. We're going to touch on all this and more, as well as we're doing a mock draft again today because it's tis the season, baby. Everybody's drafting right now. They're in the middle of drafts. They're getting ready to draft, and we want to provide as much analysis and insight and our thought process for everybody that is tuning in to us to be able to effectively draft. So... Let's get down to business, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get down. Let's get down to business. First piece of news here. Obviously, like I just mentioned, Jonathan Taylor, running back for the Colts, has been given permission to seek a trade. So the Colts are looking to get a first round pick or something of similar value. News came out today that the Colts have given Taylor until Tuesday to find a suitable trade. Six teams have currently inquired and two have actually made offers Jonathan Taylor Yeti I mean what are you what are you thinking about this Jonathan Taylor one of the best running backs in the league he's still very young he is on his rookie deal he wants to get paid what were your thoughts when you heard all of this news man it's we've talked about Jonathan Taylor at lanes on this podcast so far and I'm just I want this to be over just because I want to figure out where the hell he's going to land for fantasy purposes, right? We are in the heart of redraft season. Like you said, we got mock drafts coming up and we're trying to rank these guys accordingly. So it's like, we need to figure out where Jonathan Taylor is going to land. Um, And so I I kind of started thinking about where, where a good landing spot would be for Jonathan Taylor. Um, And I think everybody's first thought is going to be Miami. Right. I think that's you talk to anybody, they say Miami is a sure bet. And according to Vegas, they are the hands on favorite to land Jonathan Taylor. So I think as far as Miami goes, he would probably still be like an RB, you know, top five RB for fantasy production. Right. But I'm trying to think of other areas where other teams where he could be a top five running back. Do you guys have any in mind? You know, we, we were texting about this, obviously, when the news broke. You brought up the Vikings. The Vikings would be really fun. I, I really enjoy the thought process of Jonathan Taylor ending up with the Vikings. I think that offense is already pretty stout. Obviously, Jordan Addison getting there is certainly a, a huge upgrade for them because it was really Justin Jefferson. And I think that would really round out their running game with the departure of Dalvin Cook. The Dolphins, obviously, like you said, they're, they're the Vegas favorites. 
there's a lot of running backs in that room, though. And I'm not going to say they're good running backs, but there's a lot of running backs. You have Raheem Mostert. You have Devin A. Chain. You have Jeff Wilson. So I still think, very obviously, Jonathan Taylor would be the key running back for them. But they're, that would be the only reason that I'd be like, well, they, they kind of have a lot of, of depth at that position. Would they do that? What are they willing to give up for that? I think that offense gets really scary with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and then you add Jonathan Taylor to the mix. But I don't know. The Vikings, to me, you said that, and I was like, man, that, that would be fun. Yeah, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves because we don't even know if any team is willing to pay the price that the Colts are asking for. Um, because at this point in time, they're saying that it should be you know a first-round pick or multiple second-day picks. And every single GM that was asked about it has said, well, you know, maybe a couple – maybe a couple second day picks maybe so i don't know if anyone's actually going to come to a deal on this before the time before before the clock runs out does that and scotty you make a a great point because you look at jonathan taylor right now he's basically a year rental for any team that decides to trade for him because he wants to get paid obviously or else he wouldn't be demanding a trade and if you're going to give up value for jonathan taylor you better be willing to commit to him for the future or else he's walking again. Well, yeah, and that was going to be my point is, do you think they go in with the intentions of if they're going to trade for him? You know, the most we've seen, I think, out of teams and, and what GMs are stating is, yeah, I'll give up a second round pick for him. So that's not that first round that, that they want, of course. But like, if they're going to do that, they, they're obviously going to try and get a long-term deal signed, right? I mean, that, that seems to be pretty pretty evident, I would think. Yeah, honestly, you know, I I don't blame Jonathan Taylor at all for trying to fight for his money. You, know, you, you can't blame a guy for doing that. But at the same time, if you're a GM, you recognize now this guy, yeah, he's a great running back, but he has a history of having sort of a delusional understanding of how the running back position is going to be paid. And he's making a lot of demands. And on top of that, you have all the regular concerns that come with the running back position. I, I just don't know if I'm a GM, if I'm going to do that. I don't know if I want to touch it. I think if you're trying to contend, you might as well do it. But do you not run into the same situation that you run into that John, Jonathan Taylor now finds himself out with the Colts where he might get traded, but you know that those conversations are happening where it's like, hey, if, I want to get paid if you're going to trade for me. So we need to come up right. with a deal. So that way, as soon as you do trade for me, we have a contract in place. And and I'm sure that's, that's how the conversation is going to go. Because what's the difference? I mean, what's the difference if the Dolphins, for example, trade a second round pick for him? And they're like, yeah, we're not, we're not really sure we want to resign you so then you're right. saying you paid a second round pick and you're back to square one in the same situation so yeah that's the point that i'm making i just don't know if anyone's going to be willing to sign a long-term deal and pay a running back a whole bunch of money <laughs> when we know the history of that decision and so i don't know that any teams are going to want to first of all pay up in the trade and second of all pay up for the long term you know i would be very wary if i was a gm in this position yeah, and, and Scotty, you bring up a point about contenders, too, that are willing to trade for Jonathan Taylor. And it, it brings up, it, it's interesting when we talk about that, because the contenders that I legit think need a running back or that could use a young running back uh, to come to mind are the Bengals and obviously Miami. With the Bengals, if you trade for Jonathan Taylor, then you're basically sacrificing T. Higgins yeah. uh, because his contract is up next year. With uh, Miami, you're sacrificing Waddle because his contract is going to be up in two years. So it's like you pay for Jonathan Taylor, but then you're probably going to give up something. So not only do you need to factor in draft picks when you're talking about trade discussions, you need to worry about who you're going to lose. And you're going to lose a you know potentially top 
10, top 15 wide receivers in the process. Don't you think the likelihood that those teams lose those guys anyway is pretty high, just given the fact that they've proven themselves to be, you know, capable of being wide receiver ones on half the league's teams? So, you know, are they going to want a big payout as well? That's a good question. Um, I, I think it really just depends on how loyal these guys are going to be to their team, right? Or how willing these teams are going to be to uh, move around some some numbers with the salary cap. I hope Chris Jones is listening to this podcast. I I, I could see, I, you know, Miami, I mean, Tyreek Hill has stated he he's going to be done in a couple of years, right? So maybe with those two years, they'll have enough cap space to sign both Jonathan Taylor and Jalen Waddell. I haven't went and looked at their cap space that thoroughly, um, but that would be what makes sense to me. I don't see him going to the Bengals just because for what you just mentioned, there's a lot of youth on that team, very talented youth that the Bengals are going to want to keep and they're going to have to pay those guys to play. So th- I don't see him sacrificing that. I, and for that reason, I think they're just going to find a running back in the draft and they'll, they'll kind of roll with it. So, yeah. And we've seen the Isaiah Pacheco model work out great. So go find a running back in the you know fourth and fifth round who is capable and build your team around your passing attack and you can compete in this league. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, uh, we'll round out this conversation with, do you think he gets traded? Scotty, we'll ask you first. I do not think he gets traded, no. Yeti? Yes. Okay. I think he does too. I think they're going to, I think, I don't know where that is. Um, obviously Vegas has, has the Dolphins. For personal reasons, I kind of want him off the Colts team because I also in Anthony Richardson, and I don't want to uh, double dip there. <laughs> but uh, to be honest with you, I think um, I think the bridge has been burned, and I think he's going to do everything he can to get out of there. Yep. So I see him leaving, but I don't know where. It's going to be interesting. We'll, uh, well, I'm sure we'll talk about it next week because his deadline will be up, and there's there's a pretty good likelihood. And we've talked about it every other week we for the last two months. So it's just a matter. It's just part of our podcast. Stay tuned. Yeah. We are the Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor, Taylor podcast. <laughs> All right. Uh, Talking about running backs, Yeti, your alma mater, the Raiders running back, Josh Jacobs. He is still holding out. He's expected to hold out and report to the Raiders before week one. You think he's going to be there and be ready to go and everything's going to be fine? I I kind of do think he's going to be back before week one, and that's not just a homer and me talking. Um, I think he's kind of looked at what happened with the other running backs and the only other running back to get a contract is Saquon, and he signed, what, $11 million for one year. So it's basically just another year that he can get franchise tagged. So if you look at Josh Jacobs' situation, if he signs a franchise tag, he's still earning $10 million this year, which is going to be top 10 for running back's salary this year because that's fully guaranteed. And then next year, he wouldn't be franchise tagged. So let's say he has another top five year like he did last year. Um He's certainly going to earn more of a bag next year, and he's going to he can forelong that conversation of, okay, I need to get paid, and maybe the Raiders do end up signing him later in the season if he's performing at the, at a high level, or if not, I mean, he's just increasing his value, and we're going to have the discussion about well, he's going to be a year older, but at least he is still proving that he is effective and that he is an efficient running back in the league. So. I think he'd be silly not to play at this point, considering he'd be sacrificing $10 million. Well, Chris Jones, defensive lineman for the Chiefs, has said that he's willing to sit out until at least week eight, and he'd be forfeiting $1.1 million every week that he doesn't play. What's special about week eight? I don't know. That's just what I saw in the headlines. I don't know. That is that is what he said. He tweeted it. He tweeted week eight was the 
was the deadline for some reason. <laughs> I'm not sure why either. It's a weird weird hill to die on there for week eight, but okay. Can I uh, ask a fantasy-related question about this Josh Jacobs situation? Absolutely. Let's say, you know, let's say next week by next Wednesday's episode, let's say he announces that, yep, I'm coming back. I'll be here for week one. Um, he is currently getting drafted around, you know, middle, third round, late or early fourth. Do we think he's going to be going in the first two rounds if he comes back or where do you guys see his I was going to ask that same question. I think. I, go ahead, uh, Scotty. Yeah, go ahead. No. Thank okay. You. So the. Here's the thing about Josh Jacobs. Um, he obviously had a phenomenal season last year, but he also saw the most touches that he's seen in his career last season, and I don't expect that to be the case. I think there's going to be more of a committee in that backfield this season now that his competition is no longer a rookie. Um, so I personally think, looking at it objectively from a fantasy standpoint, third round I think is perfectly reasonable. If it goes up any higher than that, I'm not going to touch him. Do I think it's going to go up? Probably. I think I think his ADP will probably rise, but I'm not going to be interested if he keeps shooting up. I was going to say the same thing, to be honest with you. I, I love where his ADP is at now. I do expect it to increase. Um, but, you know, is Zemir White going to get worked into this? Because they know that, that he's going to be leaving. Furthermore, I don't have a lot of faith in Jimmy G. So are, they're going to have to be moving the ball down the field. And are they going to turn and say, hey, it's third and 10. Do we run the damn ball here? Do, do we try and throw it to Devontae Adams? I think we all know the answer to that. So I don't know what his workload's going to look like. I think the offense is going to look worse this year. That's just my output on this thing. I, I think they did some things right. with uh, Jacoby Myers is not the worst signing in the world, I suppose. But really, my biggest concern is, is Jimmy G. And I, I don't like him as as the quarterback, as a quarterback in the NFL. Um, and, and that's really where my concern lies. So from an offensive standpoint, if I'm getting Josh Jacobs in the third or, or, or probably middle third, early fourth, like that's great. I'm fine with that value, but I'm not really looking to pay up for him. Which is fair. Um, I, I think when we talk about the Raiders offense and Jimmy G coming in and sorry, this is my homer kind of coming out a little bit. I, I look I at this it. offense from last year. It's going to be the same offense, basically just a different quarterback, right? The offensive line is still fully intact there. And this was a productive offensive line last year that's only going to get better, right, with another year under their belt. Um, and I, I view Jimmy G and Derek Carr as kind of the same quarterback. And with that being said, they are going to have to rely on the run game to do anything, to open up passing lanes for Jimmy G because teams know that they can just play their secondary within 10 yards because Jimmy G can't throw the ball. So Josh Jacobs is going to be, you know, they're going to do a lot of play actions. They're going to do a lot more runs with Josh Jacobs. And last year we talked about Josh Jacobs potentially sacrificing carries to Zamir White because he is in a contract year. Guess what? We're in that same exact situation sure. this year with Jacobs. Well, there's a big difference that Zamir White is not a rookie anymore, and McDaniel's has a habit of never playing rookies ever. So I, th I, th I think Zamir White is going to have a bigger role this season, you know, than than anyone really expects. And I think they're going to look to see what they have in Zamir White this year. Um, you know, what that looks like, I don't know, but I do think that there's no way Josh Jacobs sees the workload he saw last year. And perhaps it, it might be like James Cook this last season, you know, like I think that's pretty optimistic for Zamir White. I don't know if I see that much out of him, but, you know, we saw James Cook kind of start to get worked in towards the end of the season. And basically the Bills are looking and saying, hey, can we play this guy next year or not? Perhaps we see that a little bit more this year. I, I just I don't expect this offense to be great. I think Derek Carr 
this is weird to say, but I think Derek Carr is a much better quarterback, and I never thought those words would come out of my mouth, than Jimmy G. Like, I, I don't I don't have a lot of respect for Jimmy G. I don't have a lot of faith in Jimmy G, and I don't have a lot of faith that he's going to produce for fantasy. I understand where you're coming from, and I, and I think that is a valid point. I think that they're going to have to rely on Josh Jacobs in order to open that offense yep. up. I'm just concerned that defenses know that, and they're going to be able to kind of key on that a little bit more and be self-aware of the entirety of that situation. So. Well, and the other thing, big picture-wise, from the Raiders, and granted, this is Yeti's homer team. This is also the team that I despise, so take what I say with a grain of salt as well. Um, but there are two outcomes from this season that you can expect. Uh, number one, the most likely outcome is that the team is kind of trash, and they realize, hey, we need to start rebuilding right now. And they start selling off pieces, and I, I see that happening. The other thing is that they kind of overperform expectations, but they're never going to be a great team. They're never going to be a real competitive team, especially in this division. So then they just kind of sit there in that mediocre zone. And from a fantasy perspective, you can't expect a huge amount of output from that either. So I don't really see a good side to this Raiders this season anyway. You know, I would prefer them rebuild and 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 try and get better in the long run. But either way, I am hesitant to pick up any part of this Raiders offense, especially with you know, Josh Jacobs obviously having the year last year, but it was an outlier season and I don't expect that again. And to me, that was, that was the, the, the shining star of the offense last year. You know, that, that was the bright point and I don't expect that again. So I'm hesitant to take anyone on this team. Which would you rather have Yeti as a Raiders fan? Would you rather just be pitiful this year and, and begin to rebuild or just shoot for the stars and stay consistent at 500? I would much rather rebuild okay. if we're being honest, because this team isn't built to beat the Chiefs. This team isn't built to beat the Chargers. So I think the whole rebuild is kind of <laughs> Broncos will be competitive too, but fuck fuck Denver. Sorry, guys. <laughs> fuck the Broncos. Sorry to any Denver fans. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I I mean, bottom line is Josh Jacobs gonna be there. If his ADP doesn't change, I'm taking him where he's at, but I'm I'm not gonna I'm not going to get excited and blow an early second round pick on Josh Jacobs because I just there's other value there that I like more. Joe Mixon, running back for the Bengals. Scotty, he's not guilty. He is not guilty of aggravated menacing charges that stemmed from a road rage incident. I thought this had to do with like his sister and a gun. I'm pretty sure it does. I'm guessing that maybe there was road rage that carried onto his property. The guy followed him. And that's probably why, you know, I don't know any, I haven't read any updates since the last time we talked about this. So I'm talking on my ass here. But okay. when they say road rage, you assume that there is some sort of altercation on the road and then he was followed home. And that's when the altercation took place. In which case I would agree. He's probably not guilty of anything because if somebody followed me home, I'd probably do the same thing. Okay. We'll let it slide. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars head coach, Doug Peterson. He said that running back Tank Bigsby's role will expand as the season progresses. We're going to talk about Tank Bigsby. We're going to talk about a couple different people in this upcoming uh, mock draft that we did. I am I love Tank Bigsby it, where his ADP is. I think he is definitely worth the dart throw. I mean, in our mock, he went eleven the eleventh round, middle of the eleventh round. So to grab a, somebody there that may touch the field as a running back is something I'm definitely excited about. So. Um, and I and you know that was something that Yeti I think you kind of alluded to as as um, why you weren't as interested in Travis Etienne in, in previous episodes. So I think there's certainly a validity there and, and something that very obviously Doug Peterson has uh, has even come out and said. So I don't know if you're uh, you got his phone number and you guys are texting and sharing trade secrets, but it sounds like you were right on that one. So kudos to you. 
Yeah, man. Just look at the numbers. Numbers don't numbers lie. Numbers don't lie, baby. Numbers don't lie. Uh, plus, ETN's got a light bulb head, and Tank Bixby is a good-looking guy. Well, Tank so Bixby's just a good he, name, too. It's a good name. He's a good-looking guy. He's set, yeah, he's set for stardom. He is. Like, yeah. oh, shit, there's Tank Bixby running through the fucking gap? Like, yeah, that is a running back name, if I've ever heard it. And mm. and so I think he's going to be a... He's a dude. He's going to be the next Derrick Henry. Uh, Seahawks, rookie wide receiver, Jackson Smith, Najigba. He needs wrist surgery, fellas. Very unfortunate news for the Seahawks first round pick. He needs wrist surgery, as I mentioned. Pete Carroll said that he is seeing a hand specialist, and I don't think he's talking about the one that Deshaun Watson goes to. They are maintaining an optimistic outlook, but Carroll mentioned that they are hoping hoping it's a three to four week turnaround. Probably not going to be ready for week one. Which is is pretty unfortunate because I, JSN was one of the the rookies I was I'm excited to see all these rookies but he was one I was very excited to see worked into this offense you know there's some questions around Tyler Lockett and and is JSN going to kind of take over Tyler Lockett as far as fantasy football production good argument for it they went and they drafted him in the first round they really believe in Geno Smith and um, needs wrist surgery so he's not going to be around so. I don't know if his ADP is going to drop a whole lot. I probably expect it to just a little bit um, because we don't know exactly when he's going to be back, but very unfortunate. Wow. You're you're not winning your playoffs in the first four weeks of the season, so I'm still drafting him. No problem. Yeah, no, but I'm, yeah. I'm sure his ADP will fall a little bit for this news. And I, I want to bring up Tyler Lockett here because I think he is probably the biggest beneficiary of this injury. Obviously, we don't root for any kind of injury, but we need to look at other outcomes for players on the Seahawks. Obviously, DK Metcalf is still there, and so is Tyler Lockett. I think JSN probably um, slotted to take over Lockett's position, as we've kind of alluded to on other episodes of this podcast. Um, and Tyler Lockett, now, if if JSN is out for four weeks, that puts a rookie wide receiver out for four weeks, and that just means even more of an adjustment period for JSN. I'm not saying he's not talented or anything, but when you have a guy like Tyler Lockett who has consistently been a top 15 wide receiver, I mean, you look at his numbers the past four seasons, he's finished in the top 15 each season. So I, I think Tyler Lockett is a guy that's kind of getting thrown under the rug again this offseason and his current ADP is late seventh, early eighth. So if if I can get Tyler Lockett that late and have a shot at a you know a top fifteen wide receiver, I'm gonna take it. And granted JSN will come back. I'm not I, I'm fully aware of that. But if I can get a productive Tyler Lockett for, you know, five, six, seven weeks without JSN, then lock me in in the seventh to eighth round. What if JSN has to get his hand removed? Mm. Lock it to the fucking moon, okay. man. All right. That's going to be a tough look. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Yeti, I know you didn't really want to talk about this. Um, and we have a friend who is a friend of Trey Lance's. And he said, I expect you to say some good, nice things about Trey Lance this week. And then you said, we will not be talking about Trey Lance. And then news broke about Trey Lance. So we have to kind of talk <laughs> about him, Yeti. So I apologize. Uh, <laughs> so some news came out today, actually. Um, that the 49ers announced that Sam Darnold will be the quarterback two behind Brock Purdy. The team is exploring options with Trey Lance, according to Tom Pelissero. Oh, God. Mm. Sam Darnold is the If you listen to this podcast last week, if you listen to this podcast last week, you already knew this information. We said this exact same thing. Yeah, but it wasn't official. Now it's official. Yeah, now it was we, official then. Was it? 
Are we sure? For for us. Okay, for us we it was yeah, no, we said that. We were like Trey Lance didn't look very good. But this is really like it's pretty problematic. I mean, they like I don't know. I, we were beating a dead horse at this point because we've talked a lot about Trey Lance and that whole situation. Why don't you just list him as your quarterback too and just try and get any value you can for him and sell him? That was my only thought when I read this. I was like, lie to every, all the 31 other NFL teams. Put him as your second quarterback on your roster and be like, yo, this is our second string. We'll take a third round pick. <laughs> Do you think uh, they're going to take the risk of selling any quarterback after what happened last season? I think they need more quarterbacks. They need like four or five more quarterbacks just to Get be safe. Get all the quarterbacks. Just whole mm. field of them. I don't know, man. I, it's, Yeti, are you personally or intentionally not saying anything because you don't want to talk about Trey Lance, or do you have anything you'd like to add yeah. before you move on? Yeah. I mean, the only thing I'll say about the situation is that I don't, I wouldn't expect a trade to happen anytime in the next few weeks. I mean, I, I think a trade could potentially happen before the trade deadline, but the 49ers, as Matt alluded to, and we talked about it, the 49 49- 49ers need quarterbacks because of what happened last season. They don't want to repeat that, obviously. But, um, you know, as the season goes on, there's a number of guys that could potentially lose their jobs. I'm talking about Mac Jones. I'm talking Kenny Pickett, potentially. Maybe if Tua goes down, some team is going to need a quarterback. And we look at Washington as well. Sorry. Yeah. Um, those teams could potentially trade for Trey Lance. And I would argue that Trey Lance's value is going to be way higher towards a trade deadline than it is right now. So I'm, I mean, it is what it is. It sucks for Trey, but you just, we just got to move on from this. Yeah. And I, I tend to agree why trade him now when hopefully you can try and squeeze the, the juice out of the lemon later on in the season. So I really like that thought mm-hmm. process. Um, wide receiver, Scary Terry. He is optimistic that he will be ready for week one after suffering what I believe to be a toe injury. So, Jahan dots into the moon, Scotty. <laughs> well, I so I saw I was watching this game to watch my boy Jahan Dotson, who had 75 yards receiving in the first half, by the way, which was awesome you to get see. get that tattooed on your phone? Um, not yet. Okay. It's in the works. Okay. But, uh... Uh, I don't think this is a big deal. Scary Terry walked off the field. He was grimacing a little bit, but it didn't look like that big of a deal. He wasn't. Give us the grimace that you thought he was like trying to do your Scary Terry toe injury grimace. Hold on. Can you make me full screen? I can't. No. Sorry, man. All right. He went like this. Oh, no. (laughs) To describe it to our audio people, it looked like Matt was constipated. This is a podcast. Yeah, my bad. Well, we're, people are watching us, and it's they true. appreciate that. Yeah, But no, I, I don't think it's going to be a big deal. I think he's going to be fine. He'll be back, and he'll be doing Scary Terry things and be a solid be all dirty you know, and scary, back-end wide receiver, just too. like the face you made. Uh, last piece of news here. Jets wide receiver Corey Davis. He decided to retire at 28. Not shocked. You look at that wide receiver room, and he's like, fuck, I'm going to be sitting at the end of the bench. I might as well just go home and eat popsicles. So I'm um, not surprised by that. I, I Yeah. I don't even pretty know. stupid. I'd sit on the bench of any NFL team if they paid me. That's true. Also, grand. I mean, like there's talks of you being a Super Bowl contender. You could sit your happy ass on the bench and maybe get a ring. Why are we retiring right now? I think it was it was probably more of a, hey, you need to retire or else they're going to cut it. Mm. So I think he was probably he's probably also it. made enough money to to deal with it just fine. Yeah, but I'd want a Super Bowl ring. I think if you were just like, hey, come show up at practice. We're not going to play you. And you can just ride Aaron Rodgers all the way home to a Super Bowl ring. I'd be like, yo, I guess I'll do it. 
So whatever. Uh, congratulations on retirement, I guess. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, okay. Well, gentlemen, that's all the news that we have. So let's talk about this mock draft. Let's bust, baby. Lord have mercy, I'm about to bust. Oh, about to bust. So here's the thing. We are doing this, uh, like I said, I forgot for a moment we were doing a podcast because we also stream this live and we are on YouTube and Twitter and Twitch and all the other places. Mm. Um, so nice it's, plug, bro. Yeah. So it, this is a visual thing for us. So I'm going to do my very best to try and, and also audibly describe this for everybody who's listening to us on their favorite podcast platforms. So please bear with me. I'm going to do my absolute best to try and... Uh, and verbalize this all. So I have pulled up the board. So we are looking at the entire draft board. So let's talk about it. So I have the seventh overall pick. Scotty, you had the eighth overall pick. And Yeti, you had the tenth overall pick. Um, this is a 10-team PPR mock draft that we did. We invited a bunch of Brainiacs to do this. And it was uh, it was mostly full. And it was a really good time. So for those of you guys that joined us, we do truly appreciate it. It was, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, and I've highlighted our three teams. I'm going to announce every single pick, but I'm going to do it pretty quickly. Um, and then we'll do like we did with our last mock draft. We'll just talk about our two picks. So that way we can talk about the turn and then we'll move on from there. So you guys good with that? Let's do it. Let's okay, roll. perfect. Let's bust. Let's bust, baby. So first off the board, we had Justin Jefferson. And I'm just going to read these until we get to seventh. So Christian McCaffrey, Jamar Chase, Austin Eckler, Tyreek Hill, and Nick Chubb, which leads old Slapdog here at the 107. I took Stefan Diggs, and I was pretty happy with that. And then I also took Derrick Henry at the 204. So I've been screaming from the top of every cliff that I am going to be taking two wide receivers in tandem. I was going to go the no running back strategy and wait. But Derrick Henry was there at the 204. I was kind of looking. I was between him or Amon Ross St. Brown, and I figured, you know what? I might as well sure up the running back room. When I'm doing the when I'm doing the wide receiver flip, as we'll touch on when you get to Yeti, it's mostly on the turn that I think I can really get away with it. Um, so that's that's kind of where I'm I'm really interested in doing it. I think it, this once again all really comes down to where you are drafting at and and what the ADP of some of these players are because you have to start to play the game. So I didn't go with that strategy this time around. I was happy with both those picks. You know what you're getting in Stefan Diggs, and you it, fingers crossed. I'm going to be honest with you. Both Derrick Henry scares me a little bit. Um, he is aging, but the value's still there, and I can't just walk away from that. So I, I did take him, and then we'll move on to you, Scotty, at the 108. You took Travis Kelsey, my boy. You did you do that to be Homer? 
Um, a little bit. But also, here's the thing. So I we talked about it last podcast that I think taking Travis Kelsey in the first round, you know, after pick five or so is a perfectly acceptable strategy. I see him as the wide receiver one on one of, if not the best offense in the league. So when I look at that, I say I want to get as many wide receivers as I can. I consider Travis Kelsey to be an elite tier of wide receiver. So I don't mind taking him in the first round. But with that said, I have never done it in any league I've ever been in. I've never actually drafted Travis Kelsey. So Part of doing a mock draft is you want to see how you can formulate a team doing things a little bit differently. So when you get to your real draft, you know what to expect. So I decided I'm going to pull the trigger on Travis Kelsey. Um, you know, assuming he can stay healthy, he'll be locked in to be the tight end one on the year. You get rid of the most volatile position in football right away uh, and you secure it on your lineup. So I'm perfectly happy with it. And I like the pick. Let me ask you this. So you mentioned you haven't drafted a tight end in the first round. I've done it in previous years. What did it feel like? Like, I, and I, I don't mean like in a sexual connotation, but what did it feel <laughs> like for you from building this team out? Because obviously the tight end is a position that if you're looking at this draft board, they're kind of scattered all over the place. And there, as we've talked about numerous times, tight end is a very difficult position to hit on. So it makes it that much more difficult to get value out of them. Very obviously, you got Travis Kelsey, who is one of the best tight ends, if not the best tight end in the NFL right now, and especially for fantasy football. But what does this do? How did how did this make you feel as far as when you were building out the rest of your team? Because that tight end position is a little bit, it is a different position than your running backs or wide receivers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes you feel a little bit less secure on everything. Because you'll see as we get down the, the line, I had to take a wide receiver that I'm not really excited about. Um, you know, I could have taken Cooper Cup here. I could have taken CeeDee Lamb here, really shored up that wide receiver one and wide receiver two position and been really comfortable with that. Uh, but again, you know, Travis Kelsey is a wide receiver one on an elite offense. So I, I view that, you know, as we get down to the third pick, spoiler alert, but I took DK Metcalf. Who I'm not overly excited about. We'll talk about that in a second. But I view DK Metcalf in this instance as my wide receiver three. And I know you have to start all three of them, so it's not really the case. But that's kind of how I viewed the value of it, that I'm still going to get a lot of points from Travis Kelsey. Kelsey as long as he's on the field. So I can be a little bit riskier with that wide receiver position. Um, the biggest thing is the running back position is it's already tough to draft a running back anyway, which is why we're harping so much on securing those elite wide receivers. So you can make up the point differential for the riskier picks later on in the draft. And that, you know, I, this obviously didn't help with that necessarily, sure. because now I'm a little bit worried about wide receiver. I'm just as worried about running back. So I think it's a little bit riskier, but ultimately I think the team shook out pretty good. I was able to backfill those receivers a little bit better toward the end of the draft, and I'm happy with who I ended up picking up. So ultimately, I'd be happy going into a league with this team. Okay. Uh, team nine was auto draft. We had Bajan Robinson. So interesting rookie going in the first round um you know we haven't seen him play nfl football yet but he is with the falcons who are predominantly a run team last year i think there's very high expectations for him end of the first round i don't see there being any sort of problem taking Bajan. to be honest with you guys i i think that um he's a little bit more of a risk than somebody you know saquon barkley and derrick henry both went after him i'd personally probably rather have saquon first but this this bot got Saquon Barkley anyway, so it was okay. Uh, and then we go to you, Yeti, who in the 110, you got Cooper Cup, followed by, at the turn for the 201, you got CeeDee Lamb. So you you went with that traditional, that wide receiver, that double wide receiver stack that we were kind of talking about. Get, run us through your thoughts on that. Yeah, man. So honestly, with this pick, uh, the well, I guess my first pick, or fuck, I guess either one of these picks, I really would have considered taking Bajan here. And the reason being is because running backs that are typically taken within the first 15 picks in the NFL draft, they tend to 
pan out pretty damn well. And by pretty damn well, I mean finish inside the top five for running backs. If you look historically, I think there's only one running back in the past 10 years that hasn't done that. And I believe that was Trent Richardson, his rookie year. So I would be comfortable taking Bajan here. But Bajan was gone, so I I went ahead and I got two target machines uh, in Cooper Cup and C.D. Lamb. Um, some people have concerns with Cooper Cup, and I, I, I do understand he's getting up there in age. Um, he, he's coming off a little hamstring injury, but with his hamstring injury, I would be concerned if that had happened like right now, like what's going on with Scary Terry. But because this injury happened a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago, I expect him to be fully ready for the season. Uh, and then if age is any concern, I secure that with CD lamb, who's probably one of the best young wide wide receivers in the league, who is also going to be a target machine for Dallas. I expect that offense to take a step back, but that does not mean that CD lamb is not going to see the volume in that offense. He is the wide receiver one in that offense. He saw 156 targets last year, and I expect to see the same thing from him this year without uh, Dalton Schultz, who was basically their wide receiver two last year in the tight end position. You so think Brandon Cooks, I, uh, Brandon Cooks could cut into that maybe? Potentially, but I think C.D. Lamb, is he's a different animal, and he's only going to get better in year three okay, or year four at this point. Sorry. Okay, no, you're fine. Um, okay, so then we at the 202, we have Saquon Barkley. Scotty, it's back to you, and you have A.J. Brown. So I don't I don't know how much analysis you need to give there. I think it's a pretty pretty straightforward pick at this point. I think in the first two rounds, even the first three rounds, really, you can get a little bit more frisky in the third. But for the first two rounds, it's it's basically who's my guy. And with AJ Brown, you know what you're getting. You're getting an elite wide receiver. So kudos to you, uh, Derek Henry. I already talked about him. So the 205, we have Amon Ross, St. Brown, Garrett Wilson, Patrick Mahomes went at the 207 so the first quarterback off the board by aaron big d baby uh tony pollard followed that Devonte adams jonathan taylor at the 210 and now we're turning so at the 301 we've got chris olave jalen waddle mark andrews josh jacobs josh allen t higgins and it's back to me at Devonte smith I loved this pick for me personally. I was looking at the wide receivers t higgins and Devonte smith's adp are neck and neck and and um one of our Brainiacs took Higgins right before me. So I thought, you know what? Smith is here. He is a very, I would be so happy with him as a wide receiver too because that's what he is for the Eagles, but he can offer um, fantasy wide receiver one upside on a weekly basis, just depending if he gets the ball. So not counting on him as my wide receiver one, but love to slot him in at the wide receiver two spot. So I was good with that. And then Scotty, you took uh, DK Metcalf to 308. Yeah, DK Metcalf is someone I'm not overly excited about. I don't see the Seattle offense being better than we saw last season. I think best case scenario, we see the same Seattle offense uh, come out here. There's obviously additional target competition once JSN gets back on the field after a surgery. Um, But I think JSN, as we alluded to earlier, is going to be taking targets away from Lockett, not necessarily Metcalf. And this offense now has proven that they can be competitive. So I am much more comfortable taking DK Metcalf this year than I was last year, um, even though I'm not overly excited about it. But at that position, I kind of felt like it was, uh, you know, I was I was looking at maybe Keenan Allen, who Yeti ended up taking, spoiler alert, uh, but I thought this would have been a little bit of a reach for Keenan Allen. I like him a lot, but I want him at a value, so ultimately I decided to settle on DK Metcalf, who's hopefully a little bit more sturdy and able to be healthy for the season. Okay, followed by Lamar Jackson and then Gibbs, the rookie running back for the Lions, who was taken before the 15th pick in the draft, Yeti. 
Yeah, man. I've been high on Gibbs since, uh, fuck, I don't know, since we started mocking, I guess. Um, I I think Jameer Gibbs is in a great situation. Um, But I'm not going to lie. With this pick, I I was considering a running back, obviously, and I was between Gibbs and Najee Harris. And what really, really made me pick Gibbs here is I think Detroit's offense is going to be a a little better, louder. a lot say, better say than Pittsburgh's. We're uh, so <laughs> I think uh, Detroit's going to be in the red zone a little more, which is going to favor Jameer Gibbs. And I expect Gibbs, uh, you know, replace Swift's role from last year. And Swift, uh, he saw uh, a shit ton of targets, which is great for PPR. I expect Gibbs to slot in there, and I think he's going to be a top 15 running back easily. He could potentially be top 10 upside. Okay. Uh, right after that, you took Keenan Allen. Uh, is there any concerns there with, I mean, you look at who's left for wide receivers. Calvin Ridley followed right afterward, and then you're kind of in a dead zone for a little bit. Debo and Amari Cooper kind of are in that realm as well as Hop. So Keenan Allen, obviously we know what he is. We know who he is. But I have to ask, is there any sort of, we can't predict injuries, but he seems to find him quite often. Is that, was that, is that a concern for you? Um, honestly, no. Um, like you alluded to, when we start looking in the fourth round at these wide receivers, uh, we have Calvin Ridley, Debo, Amari Cooper, D hop. Um, they all have their concerns, right? And I, I think that Keenan Allen has the best upside out of all these wide receivers. And if I'm taking a wide receiver in the fourth round, I am shooting for Keenan Allen. This is a guy who, yes, he had a hamstring injury last year, but when he came back, he had 83 targets, four touchdowns, 700 yards, and nobody saw wide receiver more. Four after yeah, he wide receiver four after he returned. Yeah, and only Justin Jefferson saw more targets over Allen in that span. So I'm loving Keenan Allen, especially with Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator there. Okay, and it also should be noted that, and if you uh, you know self plug here, but if you go to leatherbrains.com and read the uh, player profile on Keenan Allen. We're talking a lot about injury concerns with him because it's been recent, but it's sort of recency bias because he's played in 88 of his last 98 games. He's he's missed 10 games total over the last couple seasons, and seven of those 10 games came just last year. So he doesn't really have a recent history with injuries. He just had that one nagging injury that kept him out last season. But outside of that, he's been on the field, he's been reliable, and he's been producing. So I tend to agree. You know, I think I'm targeting Keenan Allen in a lot of my drafts. Um, I I think my previous pick was a little bit early but i do not hate this pick at all for yeti okay uh calvin ready go calvin ridley goes after him and then scotty you took your first running back off the board at the 403 being Najee harris concerns there or are you comfortable with that um i wouldn't say i'm comfortable i would have taken gibbs if he was there me, me and yeti kind of had the same thought process he ended up taking gibbs so i took Najee. um you know ultimately he does have ppr upside i expect this offense to be a little bit better and i needed a running back so i uh you know you took joe mixon right after me um, I thought about that, but ultimately because of the PPR upside, I decided to go with Najee. Yeah, I got Joe Mixon, as you mentioned, at the 404. I, you know, we were talking about this with with the Brainiacs in the chat, and they're like, is 404 for Mixon a steal? Um, I almost kind of feel like it is in some ways, just because you look at Joe Mixon year over year, he's he's been the the RB1 for that offense. That offense traditionally does not use multiple running a uh, multiple running back set. It's typically Joe Mixon until he gets hurt, and then Samaj P. Ryan came to, to kind of spell him. So Joe Mixon, he does have that PPR upside a little bit, I think, as well. He traditionally has been worked in in the passing game. That offense has not changed a whole lot as far as personnel. 
I like Joe Mixon there as my, especially as my running back two with weekly RB one upside. I, I like that a lot. So I was very comfortable with that. Uh, for and he's one of those guys that we're seeing his ADP kind of shoot up a little bit. Yeah. Now that he's clear. Yeah. Of any. Yeah. When you don't have legal time, stuff hanging over time. you, it's crazy what happens to your ADP, and it's just like, oh, he's fine. I can draft him again. Life is fine. Uh, yeah. No, it's I, I like that a lot. And then while well, I'll just run down the list, four hundred five, we have Ramondre Stevenson, Travis Etienne, Debo Samuel, Jalen Hurts, Brees Hall, and Amari Cooper at the four ten. I do want to stop for can just we, a uh, moment. Yeah. Were you going to talk I about? I think we're going to ask the same question about Debo. No, I was going to ask about Ramondre. Do we do we think Ramondre is good at this uh, at this spot given the addition in that offense? They signed a center. <laughs> so um... yeah. some ways, <laughs> are we concerned about that at all? Because I mean, obviously, you know, as we talked about last week, uh, you know, Zeke. <laughs> We saw what he was with the Cowboys, but we had a whole different set of expectations for him. I think if he comes in as the clearly defined running back two and he's able to get on the field for shorter periods of time and come off the field, I think his his efficiency is going to go up. And I think as his efficiency goes up, that's only going to make them more likely to make this a split backfield. They've, They've talked over and over again over there in New England that they don't want Ramondre to have that big workload. So I'm actually... You know, it's not that I'm low on Ramondre. I just don't know if I'm taking him in the middle of the fourth round. Maybe end of the fourth round, into the fifth round, I'd consider it. But I, I don't yes. know that I would take him here. No, I, I wouldn't. And and I agree with you. He's one of my do not drafts because I don't want to play that headache. I really don't want to play the headache of, am I going to have to vulture or is he going to get vultured by Zeke on a weekly basis? What's the workload like? I'm not trying to bet on Bill Belichick because that sounds like a losing battle. And historically, I try not to draft Patriots players anyway. So... I'm not really interested in Ramondre Stevenson. I'm going to be honest with you. There is some concern there for me, and I think it's valid concern like you just mentioned. If it was later in the draft, yeah, sure. But there's other guys here that I think I can get a lot more value for without having to play that mental game. And with Zeke, I know we like to give him a lot of crap for being out of shape or you know washed up, but I, I think Bill Belichick has a way of getting the best out of his players even if they are considered washed up. I mean, if we look at his past, what Bill Belichick has been able to do. Some of these running backs that he's signed that are older have came out and they have been top guys. And I'm not saying that Zeke is going to come out and be Zeke of old or completely replace Ramondre, but I think we'd be remiss if we didn't say that Zeke would dip into Stevenson's value a little bit. I mean, I fully expect Zeke to be down or be on the field. Um, you know, when it comes to the goal line, short yardage stuff, I think Zeke is a no-brainer in, the, in those situations. So that obviously hurts Stevenson's value if he's not getting in the red zone. Yeah, I, I'm not doing it. Uh, well, I just briefly, and I don't want to stop and have a whole pit side conversation, but Debo Samuel at the 407, Debo's kind of another one of those guys I'm not really, I'm very hesitant to draft. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about him, but I just wanted to pick your brains on that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of target competition there, and I like Ayuk's value a lot more. So I tend to not find myself drafting Debo. Um, you know, I don't necessarily hate it because he's going to have weekly upside, but it's just going to be another headache that you have to worry about who's going to be the one that gets those red zone targets. Um, so I, I tend to agree with you. I'm a little bit, I shy away from him a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I look at it like, I, I think I'd rather have DJ Moore, Hopkins, and Cooper before I draft Debo just because of the the 
uncertainty of that target competition that you were you were saying, Scotty. So I was just curious as, as to your thoughts on that because I that was that's how I've kind of been approaching Debo. Um, all right, so at the five hundred one we have Hopkins. So Alan, our our resident uh, co-host, he was not able to join us today, but his he went very wide receiver heavy. So his wide receivers so far: are Justin Jefferson, Chris Olave, Amari Cooper, DeAndre Hopkins, and his running back is Jonathan Taylor. I actually really like the way his team's shaping up right now. He and we'll we'll proceed to talk about his team. Um, he's kind of hurting at running back, and I think that's his biggest weakness. But if you're running a two flex team and you can throw all those players in and just suck the points out of that you might be able to get away with not having a strong running back too. So on the, on the flip there, like I said, 501 is DeAndre Hopkins. Then he's got Joe Burrow, DJ Moore, Aaron Jones, Damian Pierce, Kenneth Walker. And I'm back on the clock here at the 507. I took Jerry Judy. I yeah, just to snipe me, bro. I, sorry, man. Um, I expect big things for Jerry Judy. I'm not going to say he's going to come out and be a top 10 wide receiver, but I expect him to be, I mean, he is the wide receiver one for this team. I do expect this team, as we've already talked about multiple times, I expect the Broncos to be a hell of a lot better this year with Sean Payton instead of Nathaniel Hackett. So that paired with him, uh, he was the target hog last year. That's not saying much because they were atrocious, but he was the biggest beneficiary of for fantasy football on that team with the Javante injury, Javante Williams injury. I like Jerry Judy at the 507. I think it's it's certainly worth a dart throw for his value and what he could potentially be there as my wide receiver three. So you got Justin Fields, Scotty at the 508. You took a quarterback finally. So what are you thinking about that? I did. Well, I, and I tend to wait on quarterback. I think there's a lot of good value, as we'll talk about a little bit later um, at quarterback. Um, I, I'm looking now. Was Daniel Jones not drafted? That makes me sick, bro. I'm still real high on picking up <laughs> Daniel Jones at the end of the draft. Uh, but no, Justin Fields, obviously, the rushing upside is the whole story here. Um, he, even if he can't figure out how to throw the football, uh, has that safe rushing floor week in and week out, and they added a bunch of wide receiver weapons. So I think the chance that he becomes a better passer this season uh, is really high. So I think Justin Fields is a safe bet here. I'm securing that quarterback position, and I'm securing at least you know, 16, 17 points just in a rushing floor week in and week, week, in and week out. Sure. Uh, 509 TJ Hawkinson and then Yeti you took your quarterback in Mr. Justin Herbie at the 510 yeah he's a guy that I'm trying to get in every mock draft if I can um, I, I've gone on lanes about the Chargers offense before in, in past episodes so go check those out um, but I, I think that yeah thanks thanks but I think getting Justin Herbert as a six quarterback off the board is a it's a steal um, I think he's going to finish inside the top three this year I really do. I think this team is going to come back healthy. The addition to Kellen Moore, I expect big things out of this offense. And and I'm not going to keep on talking about Justin Herbert, but I just want to note that around this point in the draft, so this is the five ten end of the fifth, yeah. going into the into the sixth round, everything just felt kind of gross. Like if I look at the guys that were drafted behind me, I'm not or in front of me, I guess. I'm not excited about any no. of the guys that that slaps it and noted. So this is when I'm really considering a quarterback who can make a difference on my team, who who can give me those consistent 20 to you know 25 points a game. And that's when I look at guys like, OK, Justin Fields is there. All right, I'm going to take him. Justin Herbert is there. I'm going to take him just because we're, we're talking about guys like Jerry Judy or Kenneth, Kenneth Walker, Damian Pierce. These are guys that I don't, I'm not really high on myself. Um, and I, I mean, I could see them having like less than 10 points a, a game, 
you know, on a weekly basis, whereas I'm getting consistent points with the quarterback. So this is when I really start to consider an elite quarterback. I love that. I love that, that mentality. And I appreciate you sharing that because I think it's important for a lot of people to, to kind of think about. And, um, a lot of people don't like I, and I'm one of those people who I, I probably could have taken a quarterback, but it's all about where I'm at. So I start looking at this and I'm like, really the only guy left for me at this point would have been Trevor Lawrence. And I'm like, "Ah, I just, I don't know if I really want to pull the trigger on Trevor Lawrence at this point. So I think I'm just going to wait until way later in the draft. You got great value for Herbert. I I really think you did. And I think that I do expect them to be a lot better. I'm riding the coattails of exactly what you said in that way. So, and then you took Cam Akers at the 601. You needed a running back too. I'm very high on Cam Akers. You're very high on Cam Akers. And why don't you tell the Brainiacs a little bit as to why that is the case? Yeah, so I I think when Cam Akers finally got out of uh, Sean McVay's wife's pant panties, <laughs> um, he he exploded, man. I mean, we she saw exploded. what he did, and the yeah, not only did she explode, but Cam Akers <laughs> exploded. Um, over the you know over the final six weeks of the uh, twenty twenty two season, Cam Akers was an elite running back. He was a consistent RB one um, that you could plug and play. And now that the Rams offense is fully healthy, they have a fully healthy offensive line. I expect Cam Akers to feast in this offense going forward. And uh, Scotty has talked about, you know, from since last year that Sean McVay traditionally likes a workhorse running back. And Cam Akers is that guy who is, by the way, going into a contract year kind of similar to Josh Jacobs last year. So um, I expect big things out of Cam Akers and getting him in the sixth round is great value for RB2. Yeah, I I agree with you. Uh, Right after you took Cam, J.K. Dobbins went off the board, and it's back to you, Scotty, at the 603 with Miles Sanders taken off the board as your running back, too. What was your thought when you drafted him? Well, my first thought was that I wanted Cam Akers, but I was sniped yet again. That's a common theme throughout this draft. Being right in between you two guys is a tough spot to be. Um, But I think Miles Sanders is slated to be, uh, you know, a solid running back this season. I think he's going to get a lot of volume. I'm not excited about this offense necessarily, but I do think he's going to get the volume to be productive. So I was perfectly fine taking that pick, even though I didn't get Akers, uh, which is who I really wanted. Sure. after that, I am on the clock there at the 604, and I took Darren Waller. Uh, I, You know, Yeti, I think you really you alluded to this, and I completely agree with it. We're in a gross zone right now. Like, the six, like sixth round is kind of where I start looking at people, and I'm just like, I'm going to start looking for my guys. I'm going to start looking for guys that are like, can I wait until the next turn, you know, for me in, in ADP value? I look at this, and... Not a lot of these people excite me, to be honest with you. I took Darren Waller because I, I, I didn't have a tight end, and I didn't want to wait till the very end to get a tight end with Darren Waller still sitting there. If he can stay healthy, I think he's going to have wonderful production for the, the Giants. They traded to obtain him. He was great with the Raiders when he was healthy. and uh, So I'm going to bank on that. And I, I was like, I, I think I can go ahead and take the risk here because I'd rather have Waller than somebody like Chris Godwin or George Kittle or even really Scary Terry. So I, I was fine with, with grabbing him there and filling that role. Following Darren Waller, we have Chris Godwin, Scary Terry, as I mentioned, George Kittle, uh, and then James Conner, Christian Watson, Trevor Lawrence. James Conner somebody I want to stop for just a moment. Our intern, uh, also named Matthew, um, he went and got James Conner there at the 6'8". I think that's tremendous value, to be honest with you. And uh, I mean, James Conner is still the bell cow starting running back for the Cardinals. And to get your running back two in the end of the sixth round, I got to tip my hat to you because I think that is a wonderful pick. 
We're going to turn now to the 701. Alexander Madison went off the board, followed by his old starter, Dalvin Cook, at the 702. Brandon Ayuk, Drake London, Alvin Kamara, George Pickens, and then I'm back on the clock. It was interesting. I, I chose Hollywood Brown here at the 707. He is the wide receiver one for the Cardinals. We do know that the Cardinals are going to be dog water this year, and I fully expect that. But when Kyler Murray comes back, I expect Hollywood to be, at the very least, a usable wide receiver, too. So that's kind of what I, I when I was looking at him, that's that's how I chose him. But to be honest with you, I was looking at Christian Kirk, which is the next person off the board, and you took him, Scotty. I was really debating for a while. My my thought behind it as well, Hollywood Brown is still the wide receiver one on a shit team. Christian Kirk is now effectively the wide receiver two on an up-and-coming team. So I, I don't fault you for taking that pick, and I'm interested as to your thought. But I, that's that was really the sole reason I chose Hollywood instead of uh, Kirk. Yeah, and, and for the record, I, I like Hollywood. Um, you know, we saw him perform as a wide receiver one during DeAndre Hopkins' addiction to drugs last season. Gotta love him. Uh, and he he did great. Uh, you know, he did great. Obviously, that offense is going to not be great. But, uh, uh, you know, when Kyler Murray returns, I don't think there's any reason why Hollywood can't be a reasonable start, uh, especially for bye weeks. And you got him as your wide receiver four. So I think that's a great pick. Um, Christian Kirk, ultimately, I'm just trying to, you know, my, my yearly fantasy – mindset is to buy into rising stars or rising offenses. Uh, and I think that this offense is rising. So I think they're going to be a lot of scoring opportunities there. I don't know how Calvin Ridley is going to pan out. And I think Christian Kirk is going to be solid either way and has got some major upside if Calvin Ridley ends up being dust. So we're just going to have to wait and see, but I'm comfortable with that pick. And I, I like the upside there. Okay. And then after your pick of the 708 for Christian Kirk, DeAndre Swift goes off the board and it's to you Yeti. We talked about Tyler Lockett a little bit earlier and you you decided to choose him at the 710 turn here. You pretty comfortable with that? Followed by Rashad White. Why don't you just key us in on both those players real quick on why you chose them? Yeah, so I chose Tyler Lockett here at the end of the seventh as my wide receiver four. So obviously I'm not expecting like crazy uh, value out of him or production out of him. But I, as I alluded to in our news section, while JSN is out, I expect Tyler Lockett to do Tyler Lockett things. And that is catch five passes for 150 yards and a touchdown, you know, every once in a while. (laughs) Yeah. And so I I think being able to plug him into our two flex league is going to be beneficial to me for the first few weeks. And, um, you know, if JSN is out for a longer period of time, then great. Um, And then like you alluded to with my eighth or my first pick in the eighth round, I took Rashad White. I think Rashad White has the biggest opportunity potential out of any running back um, that is drafted this year, just because we we talk about running or teams picking up veteran running backs, but Tampa Bay hasn't done that yet. That leaves Rashad White in that offense, and I, I think um, he's obviously going to see all the carries, and he should also see a lot of targets out of the backfield with Baker Mayfield as his quarterback. And while that doesn't excite me as much as Tom Brady being there, Baker Mayfield sure loves a dump off to his running backs. And Rashad White is going to be that guy. He also loves dumpers. Have you seen his wife? 
Hey. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I like Rashawn. Go check her. I, I like Rashawn White quite a bit. Um, at where his value currently is, I think that you know he is still a starting running back. And you mentioned there's two big name running backs that are still free agents right now. One of them being Leonard Fournette, who is very obviously not going to go back to Tampa Bay, and the other one being Kareem Hunt. So I think all things considered, if Kareem Hunt doesn't sign there, I think there's a pretty good chance that it's Rashad White's backfield to lose. So getting him in the eighth round and you're getting a starting running back, not the end of the world whatsoever. And and you needed another mm-hmm. running back to kind of shore up your room there. So I, I, I really like that pick for you. JSN goes at the 802. Scotty, back to you with Deontay Johnson at the 803. <laughs> Yeah, I I was planning on taking Rashad White, so this is what happened to me yet again. Uh, And just to touch on him, in the eighth round, you're getting a potential bell cow. Like, that is as good a value as you can ask for. So I know, you know, we can't expect the world from Rashad White necessarily, but hell, in the eighth round, a bell cow back, uh, that's as good as it gets. So I would have taken him if he was still there. Uh, But I'm real happy with Deontay Johnson because, you know, for some reason, George Pickens keeps going before him in drafts, and I don't understand why because Deontay Johnson is the guy getting the targets in that offense. So I was perfectly happy with that. This is another offense that I expect to take a step forward, and I'm trying to buy in on that, and I think I'm getting the wide receiver one on the team. So I'm happy to do that in the eighth round as well. Yeah, I, I, I don't hate that pick. I took Javante Williams at the 804. Uh he was worked into the preseason game. It sounds like he's all systems go. I think they're going to ease him back into play. But Javante Williams, I, where his ADP currently at is actually like, I think that's a potential tremendous value. Sean Payton historically uses a run running one running back system. Right now it's Samaj P. Ryan, but Samaj P. Ryan has typically been a backup and he's been a very effective backup. And I expect that once Williams is fully healthy, he's going to uh, hopefully be great for that team. Obviously, we do know that when running backs have injuries, it takes them a while to get warmed up. We can talk about J.K. Dobbins. We can talk about some other running backs that have had knee injuries, and it's taken them a full year uh, to really get back into the swing of things. Cam Akers is another one. Um, But if he can come back and provide some production for me and his PPR value could be there, eighth round, I needed another running back. He's my RB3, and I was happy with that. So, uh, Following that, Kyle Pitts, Dallas Goddard, Michael Pittman, Mike Evans, Isaiah Pacheco, Mike Williams at the 810, and we are turning to the ninth round with Evan Ingram, David Montgomery, James Cook, The Muth, Gabe Davis, Dak Prescott, and it's back to me, Scotty. I'm in the bushes, baby, because you know what I'm doing? I'm sniping. And I took Jahan Dotson at the 907. I don't know if there's anything else we really need to say about Jahan Dotson. I'm, I Go read the article on leatherbrains.com if you have not already done so. Jahan Dotson, his numbers are tremendous. There's a huge opportunity for him. And while the commander's offense does not sound very exciting, I think he's really going to have a breakout year. So to get him at the 907, I was very happy with Followed by you, Scotty, with Jordan Addison at the 908. Yeah, and even though you snipe me, I'm pretty happy getting Jordan Addison here. Um, you know, I'm getting a guy who I think is going to see a big workload. He's obviously a wide receiver too, but this is an offense that's going to have to pass a lot because their defense still sucks and they want to be competitive. Uh, so I think Jordan Addison's going to be fine. I'm a little concerned because he's undersized and slow, which is not a great combination because if you if you have someone who's undersized, you want them to be faster than everybody else on the field, and he is not. But ultimately, I think the target share in that offense is going to be enough to make him usable, and at the position I drafted him at, he's basically a buy week fill-in uh, unless he breaks out so I think it's a safe pick and I'm happy with it okay Traylon Burks at the 9-9 Yeti you took a tight end off the board Mr. David Njoku 
the tight end for the Browns, followed by Antonio Gibson for the Commanders at the 110 turn. Run us through it. You know, I'm taking a shot at a good tight end here in David Njoku. Um, I fully expect the Browns' offense to be better with the Deshaun Watson coming back uh, to his old form. So if, um, you know, if he does, then obviously great news for Njoku. And at this point, you're kind of just praying for uh, production from your tight end position. So um, happy with that pick here at the end of the ninth. And then uh, I get Antonio Gibbs to start oh, off the 10th round, which... I'm uh or Gibson, sorry. Uh I have Jameer Gibbs. So you got both the Gibbs. Two. You got Gibby and Gibson. Yeah. yeah, man. Um Gibson's one of my guys. He's one of those late round guys that I'm very high on. Um I know he burned a lot of people last year because they were drafting him way too early with Brian Robinson getting drafted. I said to fade Gibson last year. This year I'm telling him telling you guys to go buy him. Um, this is an offense that I fully expect to be similar to the Chiefs offense and, and using their running backs a lot in the passing games, especially mm-hmm. with a young quarterback in Sam Howe. Um, and we've seen that in the preseason a little bit. We've seen Gibson run a lot of routes. He's getting targeted quite often with Sam Howe on the field. So I think Gibson is one of those guys that has sneaky top 25 PPR upside. Um, and if you can get him in the 10th round, great value great value let me ask you this is there still some concern brian robinson went after him and we'll touch on that here as we roll through this draft but um should there be some concern there that brian robinson could could be the rb1 and gibson could be the rb2 and they could work in tandem but you it might be a frustrating week-to-week basis I think Brian Robinson is obviously the the running back one on this offense. He's going to get all the short yardage work, but I think Gibson is going to be the the lightning to the thunder, if you will. He's got the Damn, speed, he's baby. got the agility, and he's going to be there on the third on third downs. I think Gibson is going to catch more passes than Brian Robinson, which is what you need for PPR. So I would much rather have Gibson than Brian Robinson, who I think is just he's just a guy that trots out there at the running back position for Washington. You heard it here first. He's just a guy. Just a guy. Do you have anything, sorry, Scotty, that you wanted to add on that? No, you're good. I was just going to say in that preseason game, we actually saw, um, at least at the point when I stopped watching, I think this is still true till the end of the game, that Robinson actually got more targets than Gibson, but it was very close. And I think Yeti's right. I mean, Gibson has the the natural pass-catching ability. ability. Um, So I think I agree. I would rather have Gibson uh, just because of the PPR upside there. And Brian Robinson just doesn't – I mean, he's impressive because he can get shot and still play football, but ultimately as a talent on the field, (laughs) he's he's just okay. So I think I agree with Yeti there. Okay. Uh, Kadarius Toney at the 102, potentially wide receiver one for the Chiefs, question mark, but the Chiefs really don't (laughs) have a wide receiver one. They didn't last year. It was Travis Kelsey. Uh, A.J. Dillon. Scotty at the one hundred or ten, the tenth round, third overall. You happy with that? Um, I think so. I, I think we're going to see, as we did toward the end of last season, A.J. Dillon really steal a lot of the workload from Aaron Jones, especially in the red zone. So I think as a late-round pick, um, you know, if he ends up being that uh, that guy that they give the ball to in the 10-yard line and in, uh, you've got a lot of upside there. So as a bi-week fill-in kind of guy and just a depth piece, I like A.J. Dillon. I picked him up in a lot of leagues over the last couple of years for that reason, and he usually pans out. Um, so ultimately, I think it's a safe pick. I would have rather taken Gibson, uh, as is the common thing, Team, and I was looking at both him and uh, Brian Robinson, but ultimately I think I would rather have Dylan than Brian Robinson just because of that potential touchdown upside. Sure. I finally took a quarterback at the 10 4 
Deshaun Watson was my quarterback of choice. He's somebody I'm targeting in these late rounds. If I don't take a quarterback early, he's the guy I'm really going for. He's typically there. And I think the value for what he could be is certainly enough for me to grab him. So the other quarterbacks I was looking at, Aaron Rodgers, another one that went off the board. Aaron Big D Davis, huge uh, Packers fan. I think he just wanted to, to kiss his alma mater. But um, Tua and Aaron Rodgers are two other guys that I'm like, well, if I'm here and I need a quarterback, because I, I prototypically have not been drafting quarterbacks early, these are the guys. And Deshaun Watson, I think, does have top 10 upside. He's got the, if he can, we can see Deshaun Watson of old, he's got the rushing. We know that. And, and even in the, when he started week 10 of last year, he was starting to use his legs. He was running. That is one thing that Deshaun Watson was doing pretty well before all the hand job stuff and the other stuff. And it was working pretty well for him. So I don't expect that to be gone. He just needs to improve in the passing work. He didn't get time to practice with this team before he was thrown into this. I think they're going to cater this offense a little bit more to Deshaun Watson's play style and his abilities. And I do expect Deshaun Watson to be a very serviceable and usable quarterback with top 10 upsides. So to get him in the 10th round, I'm fine with that. I think it's it's pretty good. And uh, and then Brandon Cooks went right after him, followed by uh, Jamal Williams, uh, Quentin Johnson, excuse me, Khalil Herbert, Brian Robinson, as we talked about. He went at the end of the – or close to the end of the 10th. And then Allen drafted Samaj P. Ryan, followed by Zay Jones. After that, Dalton Schultz. Zay Flowers. Or Zay Flowers, excuse me. Thank you. I saw the Z and I just got excited. Dalton Schultz, <laughs> Jackson Smith, and the Jigba went at the 11th round. Aaron Rodgers, Tank Bigsby, Tua Tagovailoa, and then it's back to me. I took Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny, he, I'm going to tell you guys right now, he is a wonderful running back for the first three to four weeks of NFL football, and he will get you a ton of fantasy football production. But after that, he typically gets hurt. I fully expect that. But as my running back four, I'll probably start him at the beginning of the year, and I'm fine with that, and I'll quickly fade that. I, and DeAndre Swift is there as well, so it that backfield can work in tandem. Sky Moore, Scotty, you chose him. Was that just because you're a Chiefs homer? Uh, I just like it as an upside play. I think uh, Sky Moore is slated to be a lot more involved in this offense this year, uh, and with Juju Smith-Schuster being his primary competition right now, as far as we can tell, or I'm sorry, not Juju Smith-Schuster, but Kadarius Toney. Um, with Kadarius Toney, his injury concerns, obviously, you know, we he has not given us reason any year he's been in the league to trust him to stay on the field. Um, so I think there's a good chance that Sky Moore comes in and is, is productive. Now, obviously, I don't expect there to be a clear-cut wide receiver one in this Chiefs offense, but I think Sky Moore takes a big step forward and if he ends up stepping into that role by chance he's going to be tremendously valuable so just an upside play for me there okay uh team nine at eleven oh nine took michael thomas and yeti you did not really choose obj uh, we needed to <laughs> get the show on the road so the computer picked for you so i won't i won't ask you about that because i know you did not pick that <laughs> But I do have a couple questions for you guys now that this draft is over. So let's. Uh, there's been a couple questions from some of our brainiacs. So first question I have is, aside from us, like all of the brainiacs that just participated in this draft, so not including Alan or or intern Matthew, um, who had the best team? Who who would, would what would the team? Who had the team you would want to take into the fantasy season? Hmm. It's honestly pretty tough. Yeah, it's uh, pretty Because uh, where one team lacks, the other team makes it up. Or I don't know. Um, I think Wilson twenty seven probably has the the best out of the the three brainiacs that uh, participated. I um, I think Nick Chubb is going to be a solid 
pick for mm-hmm. you. He's going to be a top five running back. And then you get St. Brown in the second, T. Higgins as your one-two wide receiver. Yeah, that's a good I, I like that. Um, and then with a running back two, you get a kind of a rotation with Stevenson or Walker. So I guess you can kind of just go back and forth every week if you need to. But you should be safe for at least 10 fantasy points, which you you know you'll take as a for your running back too so i think i i like wilson's team okay let me ask you guys this question and i don't want to i don't want to dog on on big d because i do love you buddy is patrick mahomes too early at the 207 i know adp wise he's right there but in your guys's opinion is that too early to be taking mahomes um it's understandable but i just i personally think if you're able to get deshaun watson to uh Kirk Cousins, uh, Daniel Jones, toward the end of your draft, I just think you're able to to replace that value in a better way than taking one of these elite elite quarterbacks. Um, I understand it, obviously. You know, Patrick Mahomes is uh, going to be a top five quarterback, pretty much guaranteed, um, and so I, I get it. But ultimately, I just think that the value uh, that you can get with you know loading up on wide receivers or loading up on running backs is going to be better for you in the long run. So I personally wouldn't do it, um, but. You know, the best quarterback in the NFL right now, it's hard to blame you for taking him. And honestly, I, I don't mind taking Patrick Mahomes that early because you're getting a guy that's going to get you 24 to 25 fantasy points a game. And when we look at wide receivers or running backs, um, they're not even getting you that many points a game. You know, Justin Jefferson, he get, he averaged 21 points per game last season. And obviously, at this point, Jay Jets is gone. And so are the other top five wide receivers. So I, I like taking Patrick Mahomes or even Jalen Hurts early, you know, in the second or early third, just because you're getting a leg up on other teams here. See, I, I don't necessarily agree with the logic there because, yes, obviously Patrick Mahomes is going to score more points than, you know, Garrett Wilson or Amon Ross St. Brown. But the question is, is the difference that you're getting in points, you know, if you draft Daniel Jones toward the end of your draft and he gets you 18 points a game, which is what he averaged last season, okay, you're sacrificing six points now. Can you make up those six points by getting some elite options that are on the board at the other positions. And I think you can. So again, I'm not going to blame you because I I think you're solidifying those points as opposed to maybe taking a little bit more of a risk. But I think the upside goes with taking a quarterback a little bit later. And that was going to be what I was going to say is like, you know, we, I don't know if last year was an outlier, so I can't sit here and definitively say like, don't draft a quarterback because there was what seemed like a, a an offensive drought to start out the year. So quarterbacks that were doing anything were high and above anybody else because the you know like running backs there was touchdowns were not happening, and that's where we're seeing fantasy football production. So you're not seeing touchdowns, you're not moving the ball down the field effectively through the run game. Everybody was kind of struggling. So the quarterbacks really stood out last year, but historically they don't. And I don't know if that was an outlier or the beginning of a trend. So this year is something I'm really, really interested to see. Was it or was it not? Because there was historically, I mean, going into last season, we were talking about this and we're saying don't draft a quarterback early because the point differential is not big enough for you to draft one in the second or third round when you could, you know, as Scotty mentioned, and this was two years ago stats now, but I think the difference between quarterback one and quarterback like five or six was like four points a game. And so why would you waste a second round pick on, on the quarterback one when you can get the quarterback three and you might lose two points a game, but then you have two elite running backs and John Taylor and Austin Eckler, for example, you know, so that's where you kind of got to play the game. 
everybody's different. I don't blame him for doing that. I was just curious as mm-hmm. to your guys' thoughts. And I'm not going to blame somebody. If they're going to take Patrick Mahomes in the second, like middle to late second round, I'm not going to be like, what the hell is this guy doing? I'm going to be like, okay, he wants to share up his quarterback position. Yeah. I think it's just all in personal preference and in trying to get that that ironed out. Uh I just look at Big D's team, and I I think you look at you know taking Austin Eckler first. You know, say he picked up Tony Pollard in the in instead of Patrick Mahomes, and then he turned around and picked up T Higgins on the turn. That's a pretty solid freaking start to a draft, and you're giving that up to take Patrick Mahomes. Um, now again, you know I'm not going to blame you because I think it could pan out in the end, but I I think I'm taking the upside on the positional guys. Yeah, and that's where I'm at. But like, like. Yeah. If I could fix, sorry, sucks, no, okay. but if I could fix a big D's team, what I would do is I'd probably like if we're taking Patrick, Patrick Mahomes early, I'm going to take a wide receiver first and I'm probably going to take a wide receiver with my third pick or else you're stuck with Debo Samuel as your wide receiver. And that's one. where you get into the so, issue. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. So instead of Eckler, I'd probably take like Tyreek Hill and then I'll take yeah. Mahomes on the flip, followed by like T. Higgins was going to be there, Devontae Smith. I'd be happy with one of those guys as my wide receiver too. And then we can get a wide receiver or running back one potentially with like Brees Hall should be there. Travis Etienne might be there. Joe Mixon might be there. It just depends on your home leagues too. Yeah. Cause you have mm-hmm. some people who are going to say they're going to be high on people, but no, I was just curious. Yeah. I, and big D I'm, we're not harping on you. I just wanted to talk about it. Cause I think it's, it's something worth talking about to potentially help other people. So, mm-hmm. um, okay. Uh, one other question. We'll get the hell out of here. Uh, is there anybody in, and then this is going to be Scotty's going to answer Yeti's going to answer. And then I'm going to answer who is there. Do you have, who's your, my guy, who's the guy that if they're there, you're targeting every single time. That was a question that was sent in. Like, do you have somebody that every single draft you're looking for them if they're there? Yeah. I mean, I've got a couple and it all depends on value uh, ultimately because the term my guy is synonymous with good value to me. I'm looking at people like Keenan Allen. I'm looking at people like Jahan Dotson, guys that you can get at a solid value that have tremendous upside. Um, So there, I don't think there's any one person just because of the way the draft order shakes out, you know, things change a lot. Uh, But when I'm looking for those guys, you know, those are the names that come to mind. You know, I'm looking to pick up Keenan Allen. I'm looking to pick up Jahan Dotson. um, And those are guys that I am, I am actively, looking to add but i'm not going to do that in a suicidal way i'm going to pick them up if they're a good value so you know every round i'm going through just looking for the best possible value i just happen to find that those guys are often the best possible value well scotty kind of took one of my guys and keenan allen um so i'll go ahead and and say rashad white if he continues to hold his value in the eighth round even seventh round i will happily take him as my running back three or running back two for that matter because as i said he's only running back on that team and his opportunity share is bigger than any of the probably top five running backs Mm -hmm. that are taken off the board so i i tend to lean rashad white um but i will say just one thing about keenan allen i as i mentioned around that area that's when wide receivers get really gross I'm not going to lie to you, like Kelvin Ridley, Debo, Cooper, D-Hop, DJ Moore, Judy. All those guys have question marks. So does Keenan Allen. I'm not saying he doesn't. But if we have to choose, if I have to choose between all of them, I would rather have Keenan Allen in this range. Um, So just make sure that you're getting your wide receiver (laughs) two or three before the fourth or fifth round Mm -hmm. starts, or else you're kind of in danger zone. Yeah, yet another reason to go wide receiver as soon as possible yeah no and for me i cam Akers is one of those guys he's one of those people that i'm targeting if he's available 
I don't ever. I'm not a big reach guy. I don't reach. I have certain guys that I do like, but once again, it's all going to depend on where am I at in the draft and what's the ADP. If I can get Cam Akers, I'm going to get it because he's one of those guys that I think could provide weekly upside for RB one. I'm not saying he finishes in our, as a top ten RB, but like on a weekly basis, he could provide that for me. Javante Williams is another one. I'm not expecting greatness out of him, but where his ADP is currently at, I think he's going to get worked into this offense. And if his knee is looking good, I think he could be very, very beneficial for a fantasy team. So um, those two guys, uh, Hollywood Brown is another one. um, And I've already kind of given my thoughts on him earlier, but where he's at, I don't expect him to be great out of the gate. But if Kyler Murray can come back and have any semblance of of what he looked like last year pre-injury, for the first six weeks, Hollywood Brown was a top 10 running or a top 10 wide receiver when D hop wasn't there. And it was just him and Kyler on the field. So the the value could be there for the seventh round. So those are kind of some of the guys I'm looking at, but that's it guys. That is it. That is all the time that we have today. Appreciate you guys doing this mock draft and to all the brainiacs that did it with us, man. I, I, I really appreciate you guys. We had a lot of fun doing it yeah. and, uh, and we'll probably be doing it again. So if anybody's interested down the road, we just, We'll, we'll tweet it out and we'll say, hey, we got some spots. Come join us. And uh, we would love to have you guys there. So let's get the hell out of here, boys. We are out. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you tune into our new releases every week on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And check out leatherbrains.com for all of your fantasy football needs. And remember, Brainiacs, a championship should be more than a fantasy.